Does that feel like it's time to begin? Uh-huh. Oh, wasn't that wonderful? That's uh, praise the Lord. God is good. Um, last night, uh, yesterday, I heard about how the wind was supposed to come today, and, and I thought, oh, good Lord, have mercy. I, uh, I've got a long driveway to go through when I uh, head out uh, uh, from our house, and um, it's tree-lined. And I could just picture myself, uh, you know, dressed up and having to move branches, limbs, trees. <laughs> Lord, give me strength, you know. And um, and I just um, I just had to wonder. Um, so I, I planned to get up early. Uh, I did this morning and got over to the Wesley Church uh, very early because I thought I need to get ahead of that. And. Um, but uh, about six in the morning when I started heading out, I thought, well, I don't even, where's the wind? Where's the rain? And not that I'm complaining, Lord, but, uh, um, and, uh, and so uh, there was a little gap in the rain when the service, when I was done with the service and scooted out to here and uh, off and on some good heavy downpours along the way. And uh, when I pulled in over here, the God waved his hand over and the the waters parted, and, and uh, I was able to get it over here, and didn't have to fumble with the umbrella. And uh, but I brought, brought it with me. You know, whenever you leave the umbrella at home, it rains. So I've got it here. And so when the service is over, and you leave, and you have dry heads when you get to the car, you can thank the Lord for seeing that umbrella there, and uh, that I, you bring it. You don't need it. And uh, uh, but isn't that nice about the things of faith? You. Uh, Look for the Lord to provide for you, and there's a lot of things you miss. Um, And uh, look for the things of the Lord, and uh, when time comes, a bunch uh, of folks sign up, and they become soldiers, and they become veterans, and uh, there are a lot of things that the rest of us don't have to do because they did it. And on a day like this, we want to take some time to honor them. And so in a lot of things we do today, we sing, we pray, we uh, have some uh, quiet moments. Uh, you might want to be uh, praying and thinking and remembering uh, the veterans. Some of you will be remembering your veteran buddies. And, uh, and, uh, and then I know there's a lot, uh, a lot to a day like this. It's rich, it's deep. Um, I had a community service uh, once years ago, and, uh, and I was uh, preaching on the text in Isaiah, um, about how God will give us peace, um, perfect peace, whose minds are stayed upon Him because he, we trust in Him, and and um, and that was a, a context of war. Um, it's, it, it seems contrary to fact for folks. Uh, what are soldiers doing praying for peace when it's time of uh, raising their weapons and fighting? Well, really, that's the time we need it most um, when it's already peaceful. Um, we take the peace for granted, but uh, times like that, we need the peace the most. But it was also very informative to me. It was uh, when I was preaching that night. It was uh, the night before we were going to announce uh, bombing in uh, in Iraq, and uh, so we were all there was a certain mood that night, and uh, I felt God gave me a verse, at least for my own sake, uh, if not for the rest. And uh, the informative part of that was. Um, when you, when you hear people say, oh, the, the war machine and soldiers, what terrible, rotten, awful people they are, and, and why have wars, and uh, you know, if we don't have wars and the others do, what happens to us? You know, we, there's always a, a thing about that. But the thing that, was, that, that I, I, I learned from that that night that became crystal clear to me is 
the difference when God's people go to an army, join an army, a, a branch of the military, when we go to um, fight in, in a nation that um, uh, pays at least some reverence toward God and the soldiers have chaplains and we have Bibles and we pray together and, and those kinds of things. Um, when we have those kinds of things, we, we, we come to the, to, we, we fight differently. We, we fight with a different purpose. And as a Christian nation, we fight for peace. We fight for peace. When the war is over, we're at peace. We fight for the purpose of peace. Whereas another nation that doesn't reverence God, they don't fight for peace, they fight for war. When the war is over, they look for another conflict. Um, they, they, uh, winners take all and they're looking for more to take. And it's a difference, it's, it's a distinction. And, and we in America, when we pay reverence to what God has done in this country, we know that there's a difference when we send soldiers to the battlefield. Um, or when we soldiers come back from the battlefield, uh, the whole different approach. Do we like war? No. Um, uh, a soldier knows more than the rest of us. Uh, don't like it. But we know there's sometimes a ne uh, necessary evils. Uh, we, we call it that. Uh, not a good name for it, but um, uh, much, much better um, being on the Lord's side and trying to discern what we're supposed to do. So a day like this is uh, important for us. Uh, as a nation, we um, acknowledge uh, our soldiers who've gone to battle. In the church, we acknowledge the words of our Lord Jesus Christ when he said, greater love hath no one, that he lay his life down for his friends. And um, he led by example. And the rest of us learn to try to follow that our own kind of way. So uh, I hope this is a great day for us as we gather here today. Um, take a few moments if there are other announcements that need to be made. I know we got a board meeting tomorrow. Yes, yes, go ahead. A reminder, the meeting tomorrow evening, 6 o'clock, for the Finance Committee, and then at 7 o'clock for the Administrative Council. Uh, none of our meetings are closed. Anybody is invited to come and be a part of making decisions on our uh, way ahead, our path ahead as a, as a church. Yes. All right. Very good. Be right here. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, another matter. I know we're all uh, a bit um, maybe on on edge or apprehensive. We know the the governor's uh, orders are going to be. Um, coming and maybe in drips and drabs we have no idea what's going to be next out of his mouth um, but here again I ask you to pray for our board and those members on the board come trusting the Lord will guide us and because um, I've, I've learned I've learned that um, just wearing masks alone um, doesn't guarantee anything um, it's more important to wash our hands than it is to wear our masks um, for, for whatever reason, we've, we've, we kind of know that. We're not told that often enough. Um, but what is it that uh, discourages my heart? And I hate to say it, be so blunt, but when I go to the public bathrooms and observe how many people never wash their hands, and you wonder why there's viruses that spread. Uh, in the church, we understand something about cleanliness. Um, uh, the, the trite phrase, um, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness, um, isn't in 
entirely the truth, but it says a lot. Um, and uh, but um, and you have to get used to me. Um, the um, those who think they're doing everything by putting the masks on, I think they're just trusting in divine guidance. <laughs> As a church, if we want to be faithful, we want to trust in divine guidance. All right? There, there's a huge difference. The Word of God tells us in Exodus uh, chapter 15, says that, um, that you, we were to follow these commandments. Um, and if we follow these commandments, he says, he promises, I will give you none of these diseases. Um, and uh, there was a book called None of These Diseases written by a doctor, and the doctor was observing from his own medical practice. He said, those church people, those people who follow, you know, people who are of the book, who, who follow the, the remedy, all right? He said he observed that 90% um, of the cases of people he had to treat were people who weren't really that like church people. Um, the abundance of people who were having to flood the doctor's uh, office uh, with all kinds of things could have been mended if they were just faithful to the things of Scripture. Um, in other words, we create our own illnesses and symptoms uh, by violating the book. Now, granted, there's a 10% um, that is just part of human affliction, and uh, it's stuff that happens, and God doesn't prevent us all from everything that's on this earth. But... We, we want to follow divine guidance and, um, and, and his help will be there for us. Um, and, uh, and I've learned to observe that and that is, uh, that is true. Um, all right, let's uh, continue forward. Those are our announcements. If you will, let's join in our call to worship. All right. <laughs> up on your feet. Let's sing. All right. If we would join in a responsive reading and tune our hearts unto the Lord. Um, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. 
brand new sword. He hath loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him, be jubilant, my feet.
You may be seated. There are a number of different reasons that people join the military. Sometimes they get a letter from the government that says they uh, have, have to report uh, to a nearby induction station because their number came up in the draft. Sometimes people enlist because they feel that it is their patriotic duty. Sometimes people enlist because they're just looking for something to do uh, after they get out of high school before they really decide what they want to do or because they uh, need to earn some funds to uh, go on to college. But for whatever uh, reason a person enlists, it's always been found that in the heat of combat, a uh, soldier will clearly give up his life for his friends, for his buddies. He doesn't want to let his buddies down. Um, there are cases where a soldier is wounded and all he wants is to get back to his unit because he doesn't want to think of his friends, his buddies out there having to pull his weight and do it on their own. Um, many of you know I'm working on a book, if you saw the article in the paper uh, last Wednesday, uh, about the 321 people from Ross County who have given their lives uh, since the beginning of the uh, 20th century, starting with the 1900s. And what I've found is I've been researching that. There are 321 names to write about. I'm at about page 110 right now. Is Ross County clearly had all of the uh, various uh, bases covered during World War II. We had people in all the military branches, Army, Marines, Navy, uh, Air Force, Coast Guard, and uh, Merchant Marine. And we also had them in all of the conflicts that I've just mentioned, World War I, World War II, and forward. Well, I found the same thing about our church. I didn't really understand it as a younger member of the church, but as I grew up and then came back and got to know people, I realized we've kind of got that same coverage. So what I'm going to do now is recognize our uh, church's veterans, and at the end, we'll have the uh, veterans that are here stand up, but I want to go through the names, and these are people that are affiliated with the church. It doesn't matter if they're here today, or maybe uh, through the pandemic, they're even uh, with another church home right now. We still consider them part of the Tyler family. Uh, at the end, if I do leave some names out, I'll uh, ask for some help. So we've got Don Arbaugh, Tim Bayer, Sam Creech, Don Daly, Roger Downs, Mike Elam, Jason England, Steve Fisher, Mark Gabriel, Jim Hartley, Jim Hitch, Caroline Holdren, myself, Bob Leach, Jim Morgan, uh, one of the McRoberts uh, boys um, gave me uh, inspiration years ago to join the military, and uh, so they were very active in the church for a number of years. Of course, uh, Don Mundy, uh, Don Newman, uh, Travis Ross, Don Rossman, Randy Rossman, Dick Center, Marty Slaughter, Dick Tuttle, Otto Tuttle, Keith Wett, and Larry's honor. And then, of course, I want to uh, remember those who have uh, answered their final call, as we will put that in the military, uh, Arthur Cockrell, 
Frank Durth, Stanley Hines, Bill Jarvis, Bill McCorkle, Bob Merrill, Al Miller, Russell Morgan, Glenn Potter, Walter Tagg, Lloyd Savage, Gordon Sigler, and have I uh, neglected to mention anybody? Yes, ma'am. Yes, my dad. Okay. Okay. All right. So we'll consider him. Okay. So. All right. It'll certainly be uh, about that. And I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. Um, a young man who went to this church and joined the Navy in the late 1930s. Uh, his name was Hope Hoffman. Um, when he went into the Navy, he apparently got harassed enough about uh, being a boy named Hope. It's like the song of Boy Named Sue. And so he changed his name to Joseph W. Hoffman. And he was on the USS Oklahoma uh, and was considered Ross County's first casualty from this church right here. I bring that up now because in September of this year, his remains were finally identified. The uh, sailors who'd been killed on that ship were buried in a mass grave. And five years ago, the uh, government uh, disinterred those remains and started using modern technology, DNA testing, and things like that to identify the remains. They've identified well over half. And in September, uh, Joseph Hoffman's remains were identified. Uh, the Navy is in the process of contacting his family to see what they want for a final burial. If they include any kind of a Chillicothe procession, Chillicothe ceremony, uh, it would be very uh, natural for Tyler Church to play a, a part in whatever ceremony might happen, uh, gravesite service or whatever. And so we will today uh, remember uh, Joseph Hoffman as well as one of our uh, veterans that is part of our church family. So I uh, want to uh, thank everybody for the opportunity to recognize our veterans. If there was an, another name that I didn't mention, somebody can just give that to me uh, after the service, and we'll include that on our list. So with that, Pastor Hogue, we've got uh, the joys, concerns, and special opportunities. My father and stepfather uh, were in the service, as well as my grandfather. My um, grandfather was in experimental aircraft in World War I, and so he didn't seek conflict, but he was certainly a part of what paved the way for uh, future warfare. Um, my, um, I've got another uncle who uh, was uh, 
had a, a physical discharge because uh, they determined that his, his one leg was uh, shorter than the other, and so he wasn't allowed to be a part of the service. And um, and I remember how you know, striking it was. Uh, Any time I ever heard him uh, tell about that, he always looked as if he was uh, ashamed of himself that he had one leg shorter than the other and couldn't be in the service because he, he knew how many others um, uh, were physically fit and were able to go, and he was not able to join them. And so, you know, that's um, that uh, the, the weight of those feelings um, are uh, have an incredible effect uh, on a person. Um, and, and so that's that's just... Um, that's just the importance of uh, uh, what we regard as uh, country, as uh, uh, so many blessings God's given, and uh, we learn to cherish them in so many different ways. Um, well, I thank the Lord, and I bless the Lord for uh, an awful lot of those uh, liberties that I can only regard as uh, the result of uh, those who were faithful to God and said, what kind of a nation should this be? And they uh, sought to frame a uh, a constitution, rules to live by that uh, that would uh, would honor God, and uh, they did a good job of it, and and so we're uh, we're a grateful people. So we, you know, if we're thinking about our joys today, I know that's one of them. That's uh, and the, we could go on for hours trying to, to to go through that list. But what other joys do we have this morning as we uh, as we continue? Jim, I got your list here. Uh, truth that's worth repeated. Uh, the word truth was repeated in an awful lot of the hymns that we sang, and so I'm with you on that. So, but uh, yeah, what other joys do we have this morning? Well, I haven't been here before. I came by the invitation through Jim Morgan and with my dearest friend Bonnie Eaton. Mm-hmm. My name is Caroline Marrow, and uh, I want to thank God for Bonnie and for Jim, and we finally brought our Bonnie from Greenville, where she had lived for three years, back here to what I call her home, where she can be close to all of us who love her dearly. She's the sister of my heart. And we have been through so many things together. I There was not enough paper in the world to write it down. But we've made it. Right. We've come through so much. And uh, we are all our, our little circle of friends and even people who don't know us that heard about. We were trying to find her a place to live. We were trying to find furniture, and five or six of us all got together, and I said, I've been trying to get rid of this furniture in my living room. I can't find anybody who wants it. It's very nice. We backed up the truck and loaded up the (laughs) living room furniture. We went down. The other friends gave her furniture. We did everything, everything that our hearts said do that. And I've never been so happy and so thankful and so grateful to God for taking us through this because physically, mentally, it was very, very, very difficult for Bonnie. 
feel that all of our love got her this good. She's become stronger. She's eating better. Her voice is stronger. And um, I feel so grateful that God had me to be a part of this. And because I have been extremely um, invalid-like all last year after a nearly fatal fall. And I couldn't walk or anything. And then I got better. And she needed me. And God let me be there. Great. Great. <laughs> uh, wonderful. Thank you. God bless you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Other joys. All right. Let's continue then for other prayer concerns. All right, I don't hear a bell. Yes, please. I do have something to say. I am so glad to walk through back through the glories of Tyler and keep friends I made here. When I went to Green Hill to live with my oldest son, I went to be a help to him after him having lost his father. And I found out I was living with an alcoholic. It's terrible to live with an alcoholic, especially when you love to ever in your heart. Mm. I was there for three years, and if it hadn't been for a group of friends here, five people, of which Caroline was one, I would never have made it back from there because I just felt totally beat down by a son that I dearly loved. It would never be physical against me, but what he could say and to see him coming drunk every night, every night, night after night, seven days a week, was one of the worst, hardest burdens I've ever, ever carried on my soul. I mean, it, it hurt so much worse, and I didn't think I'd ever hear this from my mouth than the death of my daughter, which is a tragic death. But I know where she went, and I don't know to this day where this son will turn out, whether he'll be with Satan, whether he'll be with God. But I just pray for every bit of my body that my son Rick should be walking around. I walk behind him and left him with the help of friends. He didn't even know it was going to happen. Just in a few conversations I've had with him in the last three weeks, and he's always initiated the call. I hear a difference in his voice and what he is sorry for and what he hopes to turn his life around to. So I'm just like all of you, mm. all of my kind of friends and family, to pray for Rick to let him see that there is something here instead of spending your life in a bottle. I mean, it's beer, but it's still alcohol. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I thought beer's not bad compared to whiskey. Yeah, it's If you're an alcoholic, and he is. Anybody that consumes what he consumes every day, he's an alcoholic. 
I would mm. wish the life that I've lived on anybody the last three years, and I just realized, God, I've got to put it in your hands. He'll never learn. As long as mom's here, mom's putting her money into everything that you should be putting your money into, you're not just helping to lose. And he didn't even realize I was moving out till he had me out. And then all of a sudden, he's realizing I, he brought it about as much as I did. So I just hope you'll all remember my son, Rick, that he will get away from that terrible bottle and learn to live without it. But I give him to God. I can't do anything else but give him to God. That's right. We we'll have right. to save her. I'm we'll have to save her. Yeah. I'm glad to be back. And I, what I worked my family since the time I walked, mm. first time I walked in this door. I want to be back for all of my friends from school that I used to get with the last three years. I've had very little contact with anybody. I walk with the people that made us. And I found out you cannot save an alcoholic. You can't save him unless he or she wants to save themselves. So I just turned it back to God. Mm -hmm. And I prayed that God he be saved for himself. Yeah. Well, he has so far. So uh, you said the last couple of weeks, it just made me think that uh, what the scripture says. Uh, Godly sorrow leads to repentance, and uh, maybe he's moving in that direction. It sure uh, sounds possible. Uh, we want to certainly, friends, uh, join her prayers. Would there be other concerns? Yes, please. These have been some heavier concerns. A uh, few came here with a small concern. Um, you don't feel like, well, I, what's my little concern in the midst of this? God still cares about you and your concerns. So what, uh, if you have a prayer concern, let's uh, make sure we give God a chance for it. All right, I don't see here another one. Let's continue on to joys and concerns and spiritual opportunities. Uh, uh, in some sense, a spiritual opportunity is like uh, so, uh, citizens signing up for war. They're uh, hearing the call and they're answering it. Uh, some spiritual opportunities are like that. It's uh, um, if your uh, son was here and he feel like uh, you know the, the, this uh, alcohol is a great temptation in his life and he wants to do away with it. His spiritual opportunity is, I need help. Please pray for me. Win this battle and. Uh, uh, resist against temptation, rise above it. Uh, so spiritual opportunity can be a lot of different things. All right. 
Well, along with the spiritual opportunities, there's the opportunity of those who don't know Christ to know him. And again, uh, wherever Rick's spiritual state would be, uh, we pray that he's in that category, that he will come to know Jesus. How many of you have someone you're praying for? You want them to know Jesus? Just let the Lord know by raising your hand. Yeah. Okay. All right. Like uh, soldiers down through the years, um, they've um, often their go-to song that prepares their hearts would be our prayer chorus this morning, Abide With Me. So let's uh, sing together. We come to you this uh, morning knowing that you're not one to ignore us, leave us uh, alone, forsaken. Uh, you meet with us along uh, the joys, delightful ways. We're, uh, we're, so, we're so grateful that you surround us with a land of uh, plenty, a land that has given us... Uh, much reason to trust in you, to recommend you to others. God, you're good to us. You bless us. You bless me with a path of getting here this morning. You've blessed a lot of folks uh, in, between, in between the uh, downpours to just open up a little spot for us to uh, find our way through. We're grateful. We, um, we're grateful. Uh, we're grateful, our Heavenly Father, for... Caroline, grateful for her and uh, and the path that she has uh, trod. We thank thank you, Father. You've been with her to be of help to others. We're thankful for the help that she gave. We ask you to continue to be with Bonnie, with Jim, and uh, and the whole consortium as they continue to group together and be together uh, to work for good outcomes. We thank you, Father, for the power the power of friends and how 
you direct their hearts for, for good. We pray you be with Rick, and uh, we pray, Father, that you be, uh, we'll have um, counted these, uh, these months, years, that uh, her, his mother was with him as uh, not wasted effort. Our Heavenly Father, we, she's done it by faith, and she did it for a reason, and we just pray, Father, that you have planted seeds in his heart, seeds that will grow, seeds that will strangle that alcohol and uh, drive it from his system. Our Father, hear our prayers. We ask you to be with Janie as she's uh, trying to fight off the effects of the stroke and uh, now the COVID. Uh, we know that the COVID seems as if the um, symptoms, the greater part of them would be temporary. We're hoping that the whole effect of it will uh, leave a body completely. Uh, we also pray, Father, that as she fights off that, that uh, her body has room to uh, rise above uh, the stroke. We pray that it hasn't affected her greatly. We pray, Father, that you will uh, be with her and strengthen her. We ask you to be with those around the world who you're trying to tag them for the call of being a missionary, to break new ground wherever they would be sent to. And, Father, that you would raise up provision for them from one church after another, from one family after another, to be able to uh, fund the work of your gospel throughout the regions of this world. We know that, uh, that, that our Lord won't come again until every ear has heard and chance uh, across this world. And we know as your church, we're trying to be faithful to uh, uh, be able to be a part of the missionary movement. Our gracious Father, we pray that you will continue to uh, call those who would uh, fight for this land and uh, be prepared the innovations of the uh, weapons of warfare that uh, continue to be developed we pray for weapons of warfare that will rise that will not just um, kill and destroy but could disable uh, even temporarily so wars don't have to be fought with blood um, we pray father though that you will provide our country with those who are willing uh, to uh, pay with their lives. We pray the day will come that um, even though we have armies, that they don't need to go to battle. But uh, we know we live in a world of ill temperament and those who, because they have no limits to their, uh, uh, to their desires, they do all sorts of wickedness that rise to the level of war. Our Father, we pray that this country would always be discerning and have your ear, have your voice with our ear to be able to listen to what, uh, what places to defend, what places not. Our Father, we ask you. Um, we also pray, our Heavenly Father, we're eager to, as we're in your house to hear from you. Open our ears, open our hearts, help us to receive that which you want to supply abundantly in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
before we perform, may we share the Lord's Prayer together? If you would, let's uh, bow in prayer the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Once again, Connie's picked a uh, special music to discuss some very important words. Uh, fortunately, today you'll be able to hear some of the uh, words in some of these verses.
scripture lesson is from uh, Genesis chapter 15. I recommend the whole chapter to you. Um, I'm going to read just the first uh, couple of verses. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me, since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. This is the word of the Lord. This is a purposeful day in the life of our church, in the life of our nation. Again, we acknowledge the veterans. The nation remembers the veterans in one significant way. We, the church, have another layer in which we honor and recognize uh, what the veterans have done, how they've risen to the call of duty, sacrificed their own interests. Uh, Rather than go their own way, they've yielded to a voice not their own. In this passage, we see Abraham, Abram doing the same thing. Baseball, of all other places, baseball um, presents what they call the Bob Feller Award. It's, um, they remembered how Bob Feller left the baseball field during uh, the time his, uh, our country fought in Vietnam. Uh, he left to answer that call. All the riches that baseball could promise, he left and served the nation. This year, baseball will acknowledge Brooke Robinson, as well as an Ohioan, an Ohioan by the name of Craig Stamen, um, in what they've done. Craig Stamen has um, taken many trips overseas beyond the battle line, to be with soldiers, just to be with them. And um, as a professional athlete, uh, to be able to give of himself. Down through the years, we remember the likes of Elvis Presley and Sean Connery and Soupy Sales uh, as uh, uh, joining the battles. Uh, Another Ohioan gave his uh, service to the country, Drew Carey, Spent some time, of course, more recent memory, memory we have of Pat Tillman, who left the NFL and died in Afghanistan. It was thought possibly due to friendly fire, but he uh, gave his life and service to this nation. Even Walt Disney once tried to sign up for the armed services, and they caught him as being too young to join maybe being branded too young to join stuck with him. And there's part of him that stayed young forever. And we, that's so we're, we're grateful for that, but there's a lot of people who have, uh, joined. And, um, 
I like to think that a lot of our nation's ills could be swept away if we could gather the young people uh, and all of their many foibles that they've learned to follow a different sort of a way, sometimes a self-indulgent, self-absorbed uh, manner of life. Uh, if they could just be in the audience of a couple of veterans telling the old stories, telling what it meant to give of themselves to the nation's service. Um, used to substitute uh, around Washington County, one of the schools, Fort Fry, one of the teachers used to always make sure she brought in a veteran. And uh, the vet veteran of choice was a fellow who was uh, in his early 90s last uh, I was aware of. And he would come to the class and tell some of his stories. And it would be uh, one of the, some of the favorite memories of that class. And uh, the next class would always look forward to because they'd hear so many times of this veteran who would come and sit down and spend some time with them. Um, I, uh, but I wonder, I have to wonder though, if uh, how many veterans, 20, 30, 40 years after the conflicts they've been a part of or the training that they've been through, how many of them, 20, 30, 40 years later, would still be willing to come back to the battlefield and give themselves to service where your bodies wouldn't feel ready for it, but the heart's there. Uh, and, uh, and some, uh, I think uh, the most of them would feel like you, Bob. They'd love to be a part of it, but they maybe sometimes question their body's preparedness, but they sure would want to. Uh, in contrast to that, I think it's... Uh, when, sometimes at home when uh, the, the husband comes in and gets ready to relax and his uh, wife comes up and gets ready to share some task that, uh, that needs to be done, some unpleasant task to him. And, uh, but before he can settle down and his wife goes and tells the whole story, this, this needs to be done. And uh, I remember the way uh, Dr. Murray Banks used to tell of those encounters. Uh, he would say the husband would hear something like that and say, "Oh, am I tired? I oh, I just think I need to lie down for about three months." And I think there's part of me that that uh, remembers that when I look at chapter 15 in Genesis here, uh, as all these things are coming together in the life of Abraham, as uh, as he's getting ready to be led through the next step of obedience in trying to follow what God is saying to him to, to take, take this next step and process this that, that, uh, that I want you to uh, be obedient toward. And, um, and there, there's so much that seems fatiguing about this. I mean, he's about 75 years of age uh, as this chapter begins. And... And it's um, a lot of emotion to it. There's a lot of process to it. There ends up to being a lot of energy to it. And some of it seems as if it doesn't, doesn't end. And there really is uh, quite a bit that doesn't end at chapter 15. He comes and, um, and God speaks and Abraham Abram, as he's still called here, reminds God of what he's said, and there's a lot 
that's going on. For those of you who are following at home and maybe you've got some uh, younger folks, I want you to know that a lot of this is aimed at the older folks. So uh, if you don't want to listen, you can do like me. Just don't listen. All right. Make sure. Um, not, not la, 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 not listening. So, um, but one day you might be old too. So if you're, you have thoughts of that, you might want to take notes. I don't know. Um, but again, I want to say that a lot of this is aimed at the, essentially, it's, it's so critically, it's aimed at uh, us older folks. And uh, so you young people listening at home, pray for us. <laughs> um, verse 1, God makes a promise to Abram and he speaks to Abram. Now, first of all, he speaks to Abram. He speaks. Now, how many are used to hearing God speak to you, just out loud, audibly? The goal of the Christian is to be able to have God lead us, however he would lead us. And if he leads us as we study scripture and we feel the impression upon our heart, God is directing our hearts in a certain way, we try to go with that. If If he whispers to us and it's faint, we want him to whisper a little louder. And if he whispers a little louder, then we want him to talk. We want to be able to grow in the clarity of that. And in this passage, it doesn't come out and just say that God speaks to Abram every day. But it does, seem, it does suggest that Abram's not surprised when he hears God's voice. God speaks to him often enough that it doesn't altogether startle him. And it says, the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, came to in a vision. So it's a vision, not necessarily sleep, but in a vision. And again, I'll just repeat the words. Uh, Do not fear, Abram. I'm a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. It seems like it goes like a crescendo. Gets louder as it goes. And if you're like Abram or Abram like you, I suspect probably the thing that we hear the loudest is your reward shall be very great. How many of you like to get something that's great? So that's by way of knowing you're still breathing, you're still okay. All right, yeah, yeah, no, good, good. I'd, I'd have concerns if uh, you were like that, you know. Uh, but you... Yeah, we like getting things. Uh, there's no bah humbug here. Uh, we, we like getting things. We like giving things. We like getting things. Um, and, and so probably Abraham was eager to hear that. Reward shall be very great. And he's remembering. You know, God did promise some great things um, back in chapter 12. And, uh, and, but he's, he hears that. But then there's this this haunting echo of what God said earlier. And uh, the first, again, the first words being, uh, do not fear, Abram. Well, nothing's going around. I'm hanging around here and you come to me in a vision and you say, do not fear. Well, am I supposed to be afraid of something? I'm thinking about that great reward. I'm really thinking about that great reward. But... Do not fear. And then the second thing God said to Abram was, 
Uh, do not fear. I will be a shield to you. A shield? What do I need a shield for? Is something going around here that I'm not aware of? As Again, we're just kind of going through this, this vision. Uh, do you know something that I don't know? <laughs> Duh. Yeah, right, of course, God knows something we don't know. There's a lot of things we don't know. But he's thinking his way through what God had just told him. Um, and uh, chapter, again, chapter 12, we remember, he got a hold of Abram said, I want to send you to a land that you do not know. And when you get there, I want you to walk all around it. Everywhere the sole of your feet will trod will be your land and your possession for you and your descendants forever. So get walking. And about the time God says, get walking, Abram's already made that conclusion. I need to get walking. I've hit the lottery. Uh, all of this will be mine. And God's even hinting at him, you know, go down all the way toward Egypt, go all the way back up to Euphrates, you cover, this, cover this whole land, walk it all off. And uh, again, he's thinking about that. I always think about if I, if I had to step off a, a representative uh, portion of the, uh, the world as my own, uh, how would I do that? Well, I'd go up to the North Pole and do a tiny walk around the pole itself and say, all that south of me is mine. <laughs> you know, I'm that, just me, right? I think that's the easy way to kind of circle what I, well, I've done the circumference of the whole earth. I get everything south of there. Um, Abram didn't have a chance to think that way. But uh, again, God says he's going to reward Abram. Abram has to be just a little puzzled by that. Reward me for what? Leaving home, yeah. A lot of people leave home. Going to a land I do not know. Not as many people go venturing off to lands that they're, they're not familiar with. But enough do that it's not, I'm not the first one who's ever done that. Uh, you know, so all the generations before me be fruitful, multiply, and fill the whole earth. Uh, you know, a lot of them have gone to unknown lands long before I have. Well, what have I done that's so special? Um, in fact, he's had to think of himself as uh, something of a blundering fool uh, for how he's gone about that. Have you ever, you ever felt like a blundering fool at different times in your life? Things you've done, you know, looking back. Um, uh, and so Abram, uh, he, when he went down to Egypt, we remember the story, he told his wife, big, big, putting his big Tarzan chest out and say, all right, honey, I'll tell you what we're going to do. When we get down to Egypt, uh, you just tell them you're my sister so they don't kill me. Real brave. <laughs> that's my man, right? Yeah, that's my A.B., <laughs> Uh, and, uh, and so she's obedient. She does just that. And, um, somehow it doesn't fall all the way apart. Um, and, uh, big, big, strong guy, not as brave as he thought he was. And, um, uh, somehow they got out of that 
and uh, God was able to uh, spare because he's watching over them. And uh, he gets out of it with a lot of uh, possessions the Pharaoh granted them. And um, going on, walking, we're walking, just trying to be faithful and obedient. Um, Abram, uh, thinking about this thing that God said to him, though, um, do, not, do not fear, I'm a shield, uh, great reward. Um, and uh, you know, if your boss says, I need you to pick up pizza for all the guys uh, at work for lunch, uh, but here, put this bolt, bulletproof vest on, put the riot gear on, and uh, head out with the assault weapons, you, you get a little nervous. Um, why do I need the shield? Why is this? Why is that? And so, but he's thinking over this, but he's also thinking, I'm going to get rewarded. And he reminds God, didn't you say that you were going to bless me and my descendants with all of this uh, wonderful stuff? Uh, a mighty nation will come about because of, uh, because of all of this. And, uh, and he says in verse 3, since you... Since you've given me no offspring, uh, no one born in my house, the only one that I have as an heir is this relative from Damascus, Eleazar. Um, if something were to happen to me, it would all go to him. So where is the mighty nation? And God says to him, I want you to go out stargazing in verse 5. He says, go look up into the night sky. Count the stars. All of them. Every last one of them. If you can. Tell me what they all add up to. And he said, uh, your descendants will be as the stars in the sky. They'll be as the sand on the beach. It'll be endless. He reminds him what he promised back in chapter 12, several decades ago. Did I tell you this, something about this? It's just fatiguing, this, this whole process of, uh, of uh, getting to chapter 15 and looking at his life and seeing I've, I've, I've gone nowhere. I've, I've gotten nowhere closer other than I'm stepping off a lot of land. There's no, no descendants. And yet God says... Uh, I will do it. Verse 7, God explains to him how much he is in control. God tells Abram, get this now, this is what, he, what God tells him. God says, um, and it says, and he, that's God, and God said to him, that's Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give to the land, uh, to give you this land to possess it. God says, I called you out. I brought you out of Ur to this land to give it to you. Abraham hears that and has to say, funny that. Um, it's not the way I remember it. You go back to chapter 11 and verse 31, and it says this. 
And Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from Ur of the Chaldees in order to enter the land of, the, of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran and settled there. In Abram's memory, he's looking back and saying, my dad, my dear old dad took us out to this land and you're telling me that you did it? And God is beginning to make, make Abram aware of how he works. Sometimes we look at our lives and we, we uh, look around and we think, uh, I don't see where God is making anything happen. And uh, I, I was hoping he would be more definitive and more, more overt. Uh, and, uh, but I don't exactly, I pray to him, I do all these things, and uh, where, is he, where is he doing anything? And God is telling Abram, you thought your dad was doing all this? I want to tell you something, Abram. I was pulling the strings. Abram, I want, I want you to know for certain, I want you to be clarified on this whole matter. It says, I, I am God. I've got many strings. And I've got a lot of pull. Amen, people? Uh, God's got a lot of pull. We don't always see it. But if we did see it, wouldn't it be a whole, wouldn't it be a cinch to follow him? You know, neon lights flashing, this is God. Oh, we're all, we'll all go over there. Oh, we're, okay, I'll quit sinning, I'll quit. You know, and it's like, he wants us to follow with our hearts and trust him. Uh, and, uh, and, and if everything was that easy, we wouldn't have to put much heart into it. So he literally strings Abram along and pulls him in the right directions. Um, and uh, Abram has to become aware of uh, the reality of God. Oftentimes, often a missionary will go and break new ground and have little result for their whole career. Sometimes seemingly no result whatsoever. Uh, they break ground, they go from place to place, they tell the gospel of Jesus, they do all sorts of kinds of things, and, and nothing seems to happen. The next missionary comes in, uh, long after this person has uh, uh, gone back to their uh, homeland or died, and all of a sudden, boom, uh, harvest galore everywhere. And this missionary is thinking, well, I'm not that good, how is this happening? Well, it's the one who got there before, prepared to work for you. Sometimes we're like that. We do an awful lot of hard work. It breaks our heart and, and, and it costs us a, a lot. And sometimes we never see the results. The only thing we've got going for us is we come to the Lord and say, I believe I'm doing the right thing. I don't see the benefits, but I, I'm, I'm just as careful as possible. I, I'm searching your word. I'm, I just believe I'm trying to do the right and the best. And just a few times here and there along the way, we get some kind of assurance that God is saying yes, and uh, we hang on to it. Give me more of that. God, I, that felt good. And uh, sometimes living by faith is like that. 
but it's precious when God gets saints who don't have to depend on being spoiled brats saying, gimme, gimme, gimme all the time to God. That's Abram. He comes this chapter. He comes this passage. And God then leads him to a thing that's called the Suzerainty Treaty. It's basically this whole covenant process uh, whereby uh, in that day and age, um, if you saw people doing this, you knew what they were doing. You'd have uh, two entities, two tribes, two groups of people that come together and they want to make some kind of a formal agreement with one another. And the thing that they do, they, they either want to acknowledge one another's uh, property lines, they want to acknowledge uh, uh, mineral rights or resources around the area, and they come together and say, rather than fighting over this thing, let's, uh, let's see if we can work it out to our mutual benefit, and they make this covenant. And they take animals and they split them in half and lay the parts uh, one side and another. And, and uh, they end up walking through the middle of it. And, uh, and the, 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 the promise to one another is uh, that we will abide by the covenant we make. And we will uh, agree to support one another. Uh, we will agree that this is a mutual benefit to us. If there's somebody who comes that wants to attack you, we will help you. If they come to attack us, you will help us. So we're in this together. And by walking through the sacrifice, what they're declaring is, if either of us violates the terms of this agreement, what has happened to these animals may have happened to us. May we be split apart and laid aside like this. And that's how those uh, agreements are sealed. So the next thing that happens is... Um, uh, Abram gets the animals, makes this, cuts the animals apart, lays them apart, and gets ready for the next part of it. And then it says the birds of the air start coming down, trying to get uh, scavenge off of all of the of all of the sacrifice. And, uh, and there's Abram, 75 years old, trying to chase all these birds away. It's been a long day, and he's tired, and he's getting more tired trying to chase these animals away. And until uh, so finally. Uh, uh, they, the birds get tired of coming. I guess it gets toward evening. And the birds are like, well, this is hopeless. This guy's not going to share. And so they leave. And, uh, and the sun goes down, it says. And uh, as the sun goes down, it gets dark. And it says, uh, a deep sleep falls on Abram. And not only does it say a deep sleep falls upon him, it's dark. He's asleep. And terror and darkness comes upon him. Terror my goodness, he's 75 years old. Look what he's been through. Why, why terror? And uh, not only that, he's a, it's, it's nighttime. He's asleep. Great darkness falls on him. It's already dark. It's just being darker somehow. And, and that's the circumstance. In the middle of this, God comes to him in the dream. It says uh, that there's like this oven that comes through and a torch that comes through. And it goes between the sacrifice. It, it just goes through the, the sacrifice. Uh, these items are like a symbol of God. God symbolizes himself walking through the covenant. So in other words, what God is doing is God is sealing the covenant by himself. He never asks Abraham, wake up and come through this covenant and, and seal it. Uh, when Abram wakes up, the deal's done. God sealed it by himself. Why? This is critically important. When God makes this covenant to Abram, he accepts the whole terms 
of the covenant, the agreement, by himself. He puts it on his own shoulders. He doesn't even ask Abram to walk through the, the, the covenant pieces. He doesn't even say, Abram, come through and be a part of this. Seal your promise of this. God puts it all on himself. Isn't that what Jesus did at the cross? He put the weight of the whole sin of the world on his own shoulders and didn't ask humanity, get on this cross with me. God sets the terms of the covenant and he seals it himself. I mean, what would Abram do? He walked through this, the, the uh, sacrifice and then someday an enemy of God starts picking on God, and what's, how's Abram going to defend God? No, that's, God puts it all on himself. And uh, and then afterwards reminds him that you will have a child. Well, the rest of the story, we know I'm going to rush through it. Um, we know that uh, he must have told his wife um, because uh, after a while Sarah does some thinking and it says they were 10 years in the land, so Abram's 75, he's now 85, uh, and uh, Sarah says, uh, Sarai says, um, uh, here's my servant, uh, go into her, uh, the child will be ours because the servant is my property and so whatever, is, uh, whatever she bears will be mine. So this will be our child. And so he does that a year later, Abram's uh, 86, and they have this child, and for the next 13 years, they raise Ishmael. And uh, they're saying, this must be the, the nation that God promised. Through Ishmael will be the nation. And so 13 years later, God says, um, that's not it. That's not the right one. Ishmael's not the one. Now, imagine putting that much time and effort into raising up Ishmael, thinking that he's the one you were 75, you were a lot younger when you were told initially that you'd, be, you'd have a nation. Um, and uh, you've been following, you've been serving, you've been a good soldier, you've been a good trooper in all of this, you've been obedient, and, and you've uh, this, this whole night of the sacrifice, and uh, then the child, uh, 13 years old, Ishmael, God says, you're not the one, that's not the one, Ishmael's not the one. Try to tell your wife. Uh, I took my wife up to northern Ohio years ago. We were young kids. Took years ago to meet my grandmother. We uh, planned to spend the night. And um, she's uh, there, there were in northern Ohio, about 10 miles off Lake Erie. And uh, that night my wife went to bed early and, and uh, I stayed up talking to my grandmother for a while and I'm watching the snow out through the window and thinking, well, we've got to be in school tomorrow. Um, but... Uh, we can get up and drive down. We'll be there all right. And uh, uh, But I thought, oh, my. Uh, I caught a weather report, and it said, oh, real bad storm's on the way, real bad snowstorm. It's really going to pile up. And uh, I thought, oh, no. i got to go and tell my wife that we got to get up and drive home in the night, northern Ohio, all the way through Ohio, down to Kentucky to uh get ready for school the next day and um, be able to beat, beat through the snow. Um, went back to the back room, tiptoe, uh, got in the door, whispered as carefully as I could, trying to uh, 
get my wife awake and let her know, uh, honey, you got to get up, get dressed. We got to go back. Uh, bad snow is on the way. She's a Florida girl, so I'm telling her, bad snow, we got to go. And uh, uh, I don't know what was what was colder and icier, the uh, weather outside or the air between us. <laughs> All right. Ab- Abram had to tell Sarai, Ishmael's not the one. And uh, said, we, we're not retired. We're, we're still enlisted. We still have to serve. We still have to follow. We still have to do what's right. And uh, they did. Uh, well, it was another year. They had Isaac, and then they raised him up. Uh, got to a point where you know, they're thinking, well, maybe now is the time. We'll, we can see the, the road ahead. We can uh, kick back, relax, and... Um, and, and he'll be the one. He'll be the one. And then you know the story. God says, uh, I need, the, need you to do another sacrifice. Uh, take the son of, with you up Mount Moriah. And, and uh, I need you to do a sacrifice up there. Okay, God, yeah, what would you like me to sacrifice? Your son. Okay, my son. My what? My, 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 my. And uh, remember, it just doesn't seem like the story ever ends. Abram's at the age, we go to chapter two, 22, we see that Abram lived to about 175. And by 99, uh, he'd already had been past his midlife crisis and uh, raising the son. And, and now God says, sacrifice this dream that you've been laboring for all these years. God, it just it seems I can't sacrifice anymore. I'm... Aren't I old enough already? God says, I still have some work for you. I still have some work for you. Well, God's not tired of saying that to his people. I still have work for you. I still have work for you. If we're faithful, keep trusting, not giving up on it, we'll take the next step and take the next step and take the next step. Now, did, did, did Abram see the nation that God promised? Did God see the many peoples? No. He died long before Isaac grew up and had children raised up and, and uh, had a tribe begin to form. Uh, he died long before he had a chance to see all of that, but uh, but friends, he he was he did what he was supposed to at the time. And friends, God says the same thing to us here. Same thing for us. Uh, you're not done. Got a few more jobs for you. If you're willing, walk with him. Be faithful. He'll show you. And uh, will you always see the results of it? No. Do we need to? No. Would we like to? Yes! <laughs> but it's not a have to. Uh, all the way we learn to cast our cares upon the Lord because he cares for us. Um, what he does with those cares, we don't know. But 
we learn to walk in faith with him. Let's trust him, friends. Let's trust him. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we come to you today in thinking of the long road, many heartaches, sufferings, uh, brokenness that we've been through. It's not done, not over with. A lot of heartaches as we just look out into the world. Hard to take some of the things that we see. But we ask you, Father, as we try to discern and as you uh, try to speak in ways that's, uh, that's clear to us, we're, we're sorry when we don't quite get it, but uh, don't give up on us. We want to keep listening, keep trying. Help us to hear, help us to follow, help us to know the next steps. As we walk with you, be faithful. And uh, Father, we know that your kingdom is the best. We know one day in heaven it will all be clear. But until this time, at least help us to get a kick out of some of this stuff, enjoy some of it, trust you evermore. Be with us, people who gather here to this day, and those who hear this message on uh, over the Facebook. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, our closing hymn. If you'll prepare yourself. Let's stand up before the Lord as much as we're able. Oh
stand before a God who loves us, greatly provides for us, let's all receive from him blessing and true affirmation and guidance in the things that we're trying to do. As we live in sacrifice for those uh, to follow, younger generation, uh, many who are on wayward paths, uh, others uh, in quest for convenience, uh, all the kinds of things. We've learned to walk those paths ourselves and learned a steadfast way along our way and learned that we can follow uh, his way and, and not uh, feel off target. May, may he place us in the paths where we can be of that great use and great enlightenment to this generation to come, uh, that there still would be a great and mighty nation to his glory in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.